Welcome to Afterthoughts, where I pursue the realities in Christianity through God's Word and different conversations. It is my confident belief that our views shape the way we live, so having views grounded in reality is super important. At the end of it all, it is my heart's deepest desire that you and myself would be seeking peace and joy in what Christ Jesus has done. Welcome back to The Conversation, everybody. It's your brother, Martin Trumbull, back at it again with another episode. And with me is my boy, Caleb Bulow. So good to be with you. And with you, because we're actually together. In person. In person. Um, Which I suppose people didn't really, a lot of people probably didn't realize was a thing that we record this over long distances. But we do, Um, except for right now, where we're not. So that's a thing. I think we've mentioned it's uh, in the past once or twice that we do this from long distance. Maybe if people were paying attention. True. I wonder if those episodes got a lot of views though. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, Today, love rejoices in the truth, right? Mm -hmm. So um, this could kind of go towards the pronouns thing. For me to call someone something they are not is not love. It's deceitful. And because that we know that because love rejoices in truth, right? Not lies. But what about when a little girl asks about being a princess or, you know, she's like pretending or whatever. Like one of my sisters is mentally challenged and she likes to wear a crown and she thinks she's the queen and everything. And um, is it lying to validate her imagination? Um, how do we make sense of that? Especially with the context of well okay okay okay, so we could say right off the bat well so my sister has a mental issue right so that's that's an exception or like little kids are little kids right but um you think about the decline uh or the the fall of the family and how a lot of kids don't really have parents and you have a lot of these people that are running around and they're adults but they're basically still babies or children they still reason like children they weren't totally raised. So how do you deal with that? Um, love rejoicing in the truth. How do you deal with that with the context that a lot of people are more like kids than anything these days? They're not like actual adults. What you think? In case people can't see me grimace. <laughs> should have turned <laughs> like, that camera on over there. like not easy question. So, you know, if you take it in the context of a little child and you're going to play pretend or something and you're going to play a game like they're going to be the princess you're going to play cowboys and indians or whatever you're going to play that doesn't seem like there's anything wrong with that Mm -hmm. would you say like so it's like pretending to be something that you're not um there are situations where that would be okay would be good Mm -hmm. but i think I mean, when you're talking, like, we've got situations in my family where the kids are joking around and they, uh, they'll try to, you know, somebody wants to know where dad is and they say, well, he's out in the backyard. Well, he's not out in the backyard. He's out in the front yard and they're just trying to trick him, you know, like stuff like that. Like, yeah. And you get to kind of that gray area of, 
when are you actually lying? When are you just joking around or whatever it is? And as we talk to the kids, it's kind of like when you reach a point to where you're trying, um, I was going to say trying to deceive them. But I guess when you're joking around, you're still kind of trick right. somebody or something like that. But yeah. But I think that's where it's at, where you're really trying to lead somebody astray from what the truth is. That that would be, I guess, anytime you're trying to lead somebody away from the truth, that'd be damaging, wouldn't it? Yeah. So how do you deal with that, though, then, if it's like, well, I was thinking when I wrote this, I was thinking of pronouns in particular, where it's like, I just listened to something, and the guy, I um, listened to him online, and I respect him, and I... And I think he's pretty, he's pretty good. He's got some good stuff, but he was talking about pronouns and he was like, look, there's only two, there's only two sexes, only two genders, a guy and a girl, right? So you're either one or the other. And, um, and you can't change that about yourself no matter how hard you try. That being said though, he's like, I will call someone a giraffe if they want me to. And he was mm-hmm. like, and it was like, oh, that's pretty well. But he said it, and I like developed uh, like some certain amount of respect for him. So I was like, well, well, how do you figure? Why would you do? That? Like, how is that loving? He's like, well, because people can't reason. You know what I'm saying? Like, you people don't have the ability to disagree because they're so childish. And so it's not an argument of whether it's right or wrong. It is wrong. That's just kind of that's a kind of uh, what do you say that goes without without saying? It's a given. Um, but now we're trying to, I don't know, if you're trying to witness to somebody or bring somebody to Christ or share the gospel or develop a relationship with somebody, he was saying, um, I can tell them that I disagree with them, but I can still call them what they want me to. And I was like, ah, I don't know. That just made me, I wasn't sure what I thought about that. I thought there was something wrong with that. But then I thought about this whole love rejoices in the truth. But then, yeah, people are children and we let children and their imaginations go off to a certain extent, you know, when they're children. So, you know, I don't know. I think in a in this conversation about pronouns, I don't have an answer, I'll be flat out honest. I don't know. I haven't had to face it yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're in, uh, in an area where, I mean, I deal with a lot of different people within my career, and so far, I think I've gotten maybe one email where somebody signed off explaining what their pronouns were. Like some gal, she said her pronoun was she, her, or whatever. I mean, it was, so it was, it was even the right pronouns. And I've wondered about, like, how would I handle this kind of thing? So I feel like this podcast is going to be more exploration. Yeah. Well, and so then, be it. So, um, yeah, I don't know how I would handle, because, like, I'm... I would like to be straightforward and say, you know, this, this doesn't even, you know, to try to find some way to say this doesn't make sense what you're doing. But I see in our culture that a lot of times it's really difficult to be straightforward. You're not given a chance to be straightforward mm-hmm. because you get cut off, ostracized and whatever else. Yeah. Have you had to face it yet? Like not, not a lot. There was a, in high school, there was this, a transgender kid in our youth group actually. And, um, and I just remember being like, this is, I didn't know how to deal with it. I was like, this is super awkward. I hope I'm not in a position where I have to 
It took me a while to figure out they were transgender, by the way, because you can't. Sometimes you can't oh, tell, right. especially when they're younger. It's like <laughs> you can't tell it. But there's something off about. It. Anyway, sure enough, I found out it was a it was a chick trying to be a dude, and um, and I remember praying and being like, "Don't put me in a situation where I need to refer to them by a pronoun because I don't know what I what what to think. I don't know what's honoring. I don't you know what's in, I don't know the wise way to deal with this person. And thankfully, I never was in a position where I needed to. And I was able to share the gospel with them, actually, without ever once having to use a pronoun to refer to them. Or or if I did, it didn't, like, make a big fuss. And, well, I guess there was another situation, too, where this girl, um, fairly recent, actually, um, she might listen to this based on the title, but... Um, she, I, I won't say who she is, but she identifies as like bisexual, whatever. It's the B and LGBTQ, whatever. And, uh, and it was, and when she told me, I was like, how do I, I don't want, I don't want to support the error, mm-hmm. but I do care about her. And so, I don't know, it was really weird. I was able to have a conversation where I don't think I, like it went, we talked for an hour and a half and I was able to be firm in the truth and be like, Hey, I don't think that's right. I think it's a perversion. And here's why I think it's a perversion. Cause if you look at like the statistics for depression and suicide rates in that community of people who try and go off in this perversion, it is like 100% or not. I don't know. I don't remember the statistics. Even when I was talking to her, I didn't remember them, but I'd heard them on something. And yeah, very significant numbers. Like Longevity in relationships is almost your your relationships are guaranteed to fail basically in this community. So I explained like I'm against it. The Bible is against it. And here's some like studies and like observations that people have made outside of God's word. And it seems to line up with it. And it was, I don't know, I, I, I wasn't being, I wasn't disrespectful to her and she wasn't disrespectful to me. So it, it went really well. But conversation for an hour and a half, like she must not have gotten torqued off at you from taking yeah. that position. Yeah, I was super mm-hmm. surprised. I, I went out of my way to be like, hey, I'm not, because I, I wasn't angry with her. Or I wasn't hateful toward her or whatever. But she told, she told me kind of hesitantly, like there was a sense of, well, like she knew it was wrong, you know, and she's oh. just afraid of being judged for mm-hmm. it. And, and so... I don't know, we kind of talked about that, why it was kind of a, a hush thing and how that all worked. But yeah, I just, I did try to be as, you know, firm, but caring as I could in the conversation. And it went well. But mm. Those are the only two situations that come to right. my mind. I'm just more thinking of like down the line as yeah. this becomes more prevalent and popular. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm concerned about too, is like in the future, eventually I'm sure it'll have to be faced with it and thought about how, and I don't, I haven't come to any conclusion on how to handle it. I know that, you know, it's been a issue in the past on how to deal with somebody that's a homosexual, that's gay or, and mm-hmm. I've had family members, uh, extended family, not, not immediate family, but family members that were in that lifestyle. And one of them, I, spent a fair amount of time. He claimed to be a, uh, professed to be a believer. And so talked to him at that level about it. And we had a, a pretty frank and honest conversation, but one that was such that nobody was offended by the time he got done with it. We were on mm-hmm. good terms to the thing. We just recognized that 
uh, we, we explained each other's viewpoints and neither one of us was persuaded or our arguments one way or the other wasn't enough to persuade the other one. And we recognized that and just kind of left it at that. And so I would want to be able to handle a transgender conversation or interaction interaction in the same way, you know, to be able to be honest and forthright, but not have anybody offended. And I think my fear is that from what I've seen, you know, hearsay is that it seems like uh, there's a militant people in the transgender movement that if you don't use exact right uh, pronouns or whatever, they get pretty upset. I think uh, on my in-law side, my wife's family, there's one of the one of the kids out there ways is uh, really particular about the pronouns. And there was a, there was a event where grandma wrote a letter and she happened to use, well, maybe it wasn't the kids, but it was somebody or whatever. But the grandma used the wrong pronouns and the kid got upset and threw and stomped and, you know, in writing a letter, like she wrote a letter, a little postcard or something and used the wrong pronouns and the kid just lost it. But it was a, it wasn't a mean letter, though, was it? It was no, just... it was a grandma to grandkid letter. She was trying right. to be as nice as she could, but just happened to use the wrong pronouns, and the kid just went nuts. Blew off the handle. Well, I don't know what I would do in a situation like that. You know, I I don't think that. Uh, I think for me to use somebody's preferred pronouns is so far out of my custom that I'm pretty sure I'd probably slip up and not use the right one if I was going to try to use yeah. the preferred pronouns. And I feel like if I was in the position, then I would feel guilty about using the ones they wanted me to as well. That would be really awkward. I'd have a hard, yeah. tough time doing that. Yeah, I don't know if I could. The The conversation you had early, before um, with the gay Christian, um, when, you didn't, uh, when you didn't disagree with them, see what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> Only it's a gay person. No, it was a guy. It was a guy. <laughs> um, even though you disagreed with him, you were still like blunt, like you still... Oh, yeah. Very, like, very took a stand because, yeah. I mean, I sh- showed him Bible verses and it was kind of a discussion back and forth. I don't remember if it was email or something, but show him a passage and then he would come back with a response and then I would think about it and then write him back and say, no, you're, because um, I think he, he tried to do something like, uh, you know, look at David and Jonathan, that they had a love that was better than women. Surely there was something going on there. Well, I know. And I was like, <laughs> Bro, that don't work because David was considered a man of God, and you've ac- you've acknowledged that under the law, homosexuality was absolutely wrong. So, they, if he was a man of God under the law, there's no way there could have been anything going on between those two guys. So it was really straightforward, frank conversation. Yeah, but with but there was no offense, you know. Mm. So that was that's my, right. that was I, the goal in um in in my in my church community. We can when two believers who agree a lot on a lot of things together talk, like just one-on-one, it can be very straightforward. But I, um, but it seems that when we're talking to people where we don't know where they stand or say we are talking to somebody who's gay or in the LGBTQI, blah, 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 ABCD, whatever, the rest of the community thing, um, then we don't take a stance for the truth in our con. We'll say, oh, I don't want to offend them. Right. Which is what we both don't want to do either. But I, I think the way they go about it is this is what I believe and they, they make it subjective truth. There's only male and female and that's subjective to my belief. And they put it in that format because um, they think maybe it's less offensive 
and I understand okay. that. Right. But, and so that's why it's interesting to me that you were like totally blunt, like, no, objectively, this is what, I mean, obviously it's me reading the scriptures, but the scriptures are very, very clear. Objectively, uh-huh. this is real. Sure. And you're able to have that kind of conversation and still not offend them, right? Right. Yeah. I don't know. That was just interesting hmm. to me. I've seen people try to tiptoe around a topic and try not to be offensive. And in fact, in that situation where it's talking about with the grandma writing to the grandkid. The grandma is very much a type that tries really hard not to offend. She's very mm. careful in how she interacts. It, but it doesn't always work. It, inevitably, there's, it seems like there's people that get offended. And so my personal observation has been, if, I'm gonna try, if, if you try to tiptoe around and try not to offend, sooner or later you're going to offend. I mean, it seems like it's almost inevitable. So that... And I don't know if that's universally true, but it's just my observation. So that kind of pushes me into the direction of uh, trying to tiptoe around and pretend that there's not a problem and that everything is fine, that that's not going to work. If my goal is to not offend, it's not going to work. I'm going to end up offending type of thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know that I would want to try that direction. Hmm. So why, I guess, why is it a big... Well, obviously it's wrong and there's like the, 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 the suicide statistics and the loneliness and the longevity in relationships and all of those things. But why else is it wrong? Why is it such a big deal? Or is it a big deal? Is it something when we meet somebody and say we've been hanging out with them for a couple of weeks, um, or maybe they start coming to our church for a couple of weeks, whatever, it's a fairly new relationship. Is it important to address it? If so, why? Or should we address the gospel first but then doesn't the gospel also tie into their well they have that problem and well that's something that jesus died for if they'll repent of it or do you kind of understand what i'm saying is it important how so what are the detriment like i think i think at this point it is a good conversation because that kind of helps me think through some of this stuff but i think it should be about you mean you would handle uh, transgender about the same way you would handle a gay person, right? I mean, there's nothing fundamentally different between the two, is there? Not really. So the yeah. way I've looked at with uh, homosexuals, yeah. go ahead. One just goes over, goes through a body change or wants to. Right. right? Yeah. So the way I've looked at uh, homosexuals is that it's a sin, just like sleeping with your girlfriend is a sin. I mean, it's... And so the same way I would treat somebody that sleeps with a girlfriend. Now, I realize there's some mm. people that when they they find out that somebody's been sleeping with somebody else. They just go off the handle. I mean, you erupt, how dare you do something like that? Yeah. And how can you... And to me, that doesn't seem like that's really helpful uh, because um, I, I feel like I would be prone to do that same kind of sin, you know, if I, if I was not guarded or whatever, you know, I would do the same kind of thing. So why... Why accuse them of being extremely evil when the same evil sits inside of me? Mm-hmm. Mm. So, so that's that's the way I've looked at people that have had, you know, say premarital sex or whatever. And so then I thought, well, I should be able to treat the homosexuals the same way. Like they're, it's a, you know, premarital sex. If they, somebody messes up with their girlfriend, uh, you want to talk to them and find out do they realize that what they did is wrong or are they 
justifying themselves and defensive and, and refusing to acknowledge they're wrong. If they recognize that what they do is wrong, all right, then we talk about how to uh, restore and how to get back into what is right. If they're defensive against it and they don't want to admit that what they're doing is wrong, there's not a whole lot you can do with them other than point out that it's wrong, but it's up to them to receive it. I mean, I can't force it down their throat. So mm. if, that's, if that applies to homosexuals, then it seems like the transgender is something that's uh, something that would be wrong in the same regards. But I think part of your question, I mean, that kind of raises a question in my mind, like what makes it wrong? Yeah. Why is it wrong for somebody to try to change genders? And I, I think that it's something that God finds perverted. And I think there's things in the law that indicated, you know, even like a man wearing women's clothing was forbidden in the Old Testament. And, mm -hmm. and I've seen that when, yeah, it just, it's, it's, I can see why God would call it perverted because it's not true. It's a distortion of what's real, you know, mm -hmm. which is what perversion means. You're going to twist something from what is true and make it appear not true or something. And why is that bad? We're working you... towards that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just thinking out loud. So it's a perversion of what's true. Why is, well, let's work toward it then. Why is right. what's true, true? And how is it harmful to, well, couldn't God just make another, I'm just like kind of vocalizing arguments I've heard. Why doesn't God just make another, why doesn't he just make it okay? You know, although I don't know, in my mind that may, might be kind of a stupid question because why doesn't God just make us able to fly if we want to? Or why can't we just have sex whenever we want with whoever we want? Why isn't that okay? I mean, it's, it's kind of the same kind of question. Right. And maybe you're, you're arguing a negative, so that's a harder argument to make, if that makes sense. But I don't know. So I don't know if I can answer that question directly, but where my mind is, keeps going back to is, I think the, uh, the argument from the transgender is that I, I feel like I'm in the wrong body. I know I feel, say I'm a biologically a girl, but I feel more like a guy, more interested in guy type of things or vice versa, right? Isn't that what mm -hmm. is usually said? Anyway. Yeah, I guess earlier I said the only difference between a gay person and trans is that one gets a surgery and I was thinking right after I said that, I thought that basically, well, one is thinking, no, I'm a dude and I just like dudes. And the other one is like, no, I think I'm actually a girl. I'm just born in the wrong body. That's more where they're coming. Yeah. So you're. And I don't understand, you know, why, how do you, how do you determine that you're a girl in a dude's body? Like, how do you know you're. How you feel. I don't know. I think that's how it is. How you I'm feel. I'm sure it must be. Because like, well, have you heard of the different personality types, the masculine personalities, the feminine personalities? Say you have more feminine personality traits. Okay. And like interests even. And you're like, oh, I must be. And then you start to think, I must be. A, oh, that. Oh, this. Okay. I just thought of something else. Totally different. Um, so, so you have the more feminine personality traits. 
and maybe you begin to start to be, begin to think that you're a, I don't know. Maybe that makes a ton of sense. And I've often wondered, like, what is the basis to get people to question whether or not they're actually matching their body or not? Because yeah. it seems like there's <clears throat> there's people that look at their interests, let's say, and they find out that they don't have the stereotypical interests of being a guy. They don't like to hunt. They don't like competitive sports. They're not really super competitive in it, and they're not. They don't get a lot out of belching and farting and stuff like that, <laughs> that guys, or whatever, bodybuilding or whatever, because there are a lot of guys that aren't interested in that. So if you start defining these interests are stereotypical man interests and these other interests are stereotypical women interests, I can see where that would probably generate some confusion as trying to decide what gender I actually am because not everybody has all the stereotypical men interests and not everybody has all the stereotypical women interests. You know, it seems like there's a lot of crossover. Right. Well, or go ahead. And so I'm thinking that in generations, I mean, this isn't new. It isn't new mm-hmm. that people have had interests that cross that so-called gender line and in generations past, the way it's been dealt with is if, you know, if you had a girl that was interested in guy things and she liked to uh, be rough and tumble and do all kinds of, you know, guy things, they just called her a tomboy. And she mm-hmm. learned how to uh, enjoy her interests while being a girl. Yeah. And there was places found for that. And, there was, and there's guys that they, you know, being... Uh, I don't know if beautician, I mean, like you go to a nail salon, you it's not, not uncommon to see guys doing women's nails. I mean, it's, and that, but they've, it's like they've learned to uh, follow their interests while being their biological gender. You know, like there's a place for them in society. Yeah. They, they didn't have to change their genders. I was going to say too, in previous generations, so if it's the whole stereotypical thing, that's definitely a part of it. Um, in, but this hasn't been as huge a deal in previous generations. Well, they have never talked about transgender before. They just kind of accepted it. Right. Exactly. You were who you were and they didn't try to change yourself. So why did we start accepting the transgender thing? And here's what I, did I tell you about this? Um, I'll tell you what it is and then ask if I told you about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's an idea. (laughs) Um, so I was talking to, uh, um, some of my family members earlier couple weeks ago and i think we all have, we have some friends that are gay um and they have some friends that are gay so we were just talking about it and how do you deal with that what do you tell your kids too and you have little kids you right. know and they're growing up and they're seeing that and it's like what do you do anyway um we got onto the whole uh transgender thing and i my brother sent me a podcast link to uh this clip from a podcast i forget what it's called but basically a huge factor in this is actually pornography, mm. which big surprise. Do you remember this? Did I tell you about this now? I've heard some of this before, but I don't think you told me about it. So apparently this podcast says that there's like this genres of porn, like gay porn and stuff and all this like embedded into it. There's this um, hypnotic uh rhythm and element to these videos i don't know specifically how i didn't look at any all right but apparently it'll hypnotize people into being 
it, like it'll brainwash you basically viewing sure. this porn yep. will brainwash you into thinking if you're a dude oh maybe i'm a girl like they're all it's really creepy i don't want to say what they were saying but basically it that's a huge factor in it and uh and the people that i know who are struggling with um being in the lgbtq thing all are addicted to porn hmm. i've heard that before i heard somebody else and i kind of was thinking it was a jordan peterson was interviewing a gal who did a lot of studies she was up from canada and that was she was saying the same thing like what you were mm-hmm. saying just like down to t that the people that she had dealt with that were addicted to that kind of pornography and and to me the uh well i've been reading a book a couple a couple of books by a missionary who was down in venezuela and the tribes he was working with were very much into contact with the spirits, the spirit world. Mm-hmm. And they had real contact with the spirits, like the identities. And I mean, it was, it's interesting to read. Uh, but he talks about how uh, if, they, if they wanted to create a powerful sh- a shaman, witch doctor or whatever, they would use, uh, I think they said they would use a heavy beat and a lot of drugs to get mm. them to disassociate their mind from reality in order to introduce them to the spirits. And I think that what you described there with that pornography, with that uh, repetitive beat and so forth, I mean, that's a, a known method to try to put your brain into a, almost, a, I don't know, comatose, not really comatose, but just kind of disassociate your personality from your brain or something. I mean, yep. just disconnect there. What you're saying is exactly, it's very similar to how they were describing it in that podcast is like you literally get an out of, but like a, a third person and they, and there's a voice. Is it a voice like in it somewhere where, okay, you're the, you know, they'll tell you which gender you are during the climax of the video too. And yeah. And, and if, and so my theory is like, well, I had always, I always thought there was something sim- like, I, th- I thought there was a similarity. So if somebody is like, well, I'm like bisexual or whatever, and I'm also watching porn, it's like, well, that's got to be connected somehow. But I never really thought about it until I listened to that. And then oh, I was sure. like, oh, so that's exactly how it's worked. So maybe, so before we were talking about um, the feminine masculine traits, what, what were we talking about before that? How did we, it's like, why is this a thing? Oh, right. Or how did it start or whatever? And then, well, why is it growing now? I think probably a huge factor is the pornography and the hypnotic effect of the of the pornography too, Besi- that, besides that, the fact that it just appeals to your sexual nature as well too. Where, and if people are viewing like hours of this, like <laughs> 10 hours of this a week, that's not nothing. You know, that's going to, that's something that'll affect you in some way. And, and maybe that's one of the bigger um, reasons for it. That's really um, obviously concerning because that means that there is a deliberate uh, effort to mess with people and and uh, cause these psychological issues. The other problem is that, I mean, the spirit world is real. There is, we don't, often see a lot of it here in the u.s uh we're, we're probably going to see a lot more of it in, in in the upcoming years i've seen more and more of it as time has gone on 
uh, things where people are dealing with voices inside their head where they can interact with them and so forth. And mm. so the spirit world is real. And I think that that hypnotic type of porn makes a person susceptible to influence from the spirit world. And usually the, I mean, there, cause there are evil spirits out there that their goal and purpose, whether by deceit or by frontal attack is to try to destroy the human personality. They want to make a mess out of you if, as much as possible. And, uh, it sounds to me like they would be using this hypnotic type porn to create these issues. And there's somebody somewhere or a group of people somewhere that are making a concerted effort to try to make a mess out of people as much as possible. Yeah. And if you're like, I've always wondered cause conspiracy theories, whatever I'm from a very conservative Christian family. So, you know, my dad and my brother, I mean, everyone's kind of into the news and what's going on and, well, how this is happening and this is, and it's like part of, part of me with the conspiracy theory thing, which if you're into politics, rarely do you call it a conspiracy theorist. But since I don't really pay attention to it, it sounds like, I mean, that's what I would call it like this sort of thing, but then Mm -hmm. other political schemes and whatever. And part of me has always wondered, well, this sounds like, okay, the opposing side sounds really united. And based on the characteristics and personalities you describe them of having, it doesn't sound possible that they would be this choreographed. And then also the stuff that they're doing to hurt the, like the bad, how, like, like how effective or the, their plans and stuff just sound like too choreographed. And where's the unit? Like, where's the leaders? You know what I'm saying? Where are these elite, you know, the elite are referred to in, in politics and stuff. Well, like, I think that's kind who, of a mistake to go down that direction because well it doesn't make sense it's well, no, like, where are they that's what i've always wondered yeah but you're thinking of the elite as some kind of hidden world leaders that are trying to make this yeah exactly and there are i mean we i don't think it's a big secret that there are some world leaders that are uh pushing transgender and that kind of thing. Right. like you can uh you can name different corporations that are pushing this woke agenda and so forth yeah the guys that are right behind it and, and that's all fine and good but re- reality is that uh, Satan's behind it, right? And, and just he's as you choreographing these elite leaders, they may not, they may know of each other, they may not. That was my thing: is like, how do they know about each other? How are like, okay, I can I can believe a few organizations for maybe reasons that make sense to them. They're doing this, but that everybody would be in sync, right? Just doesn't make sense. But if it's, um, if it's an attack from Satan, which sounds very cliche coming out of my mouth <laughs> no i don't really say it's phrases like that but then that makes a whole lot of sense that's why it's so well choreographed and that's who's really behind it and it makes sense from a i don't know logical standpoint where all this stuff is coming from and i think there's people that have recognized that there is an evil um and evil pushing trying into the culture and it's interesting to hear people who for a long time, you know, they're not Christians or anything, but for a long time, they have avoided saying that there is evil. They just, because it's been pretty popular to believe that it's, that evil only comes as a result of mishaps that might happen during your life and kind of give you a bent in your personality. But I think people are, there's some people out there that are starting to realize that, no, there is something evil out there that's having a devastating effect on our culture. Um, I don't know if they if they've recognized yet who that evil one is, but we know that 
Uh, Satan is the father of all lies, and he's the accuser, and he's also the destroyer. It's, it's of his purpose and will to try to destroy who we are as people, as God yeah. has created us. I think another thing I've heard, too, is um, the the medications and stuff people take. Yeah. That was another thing in that podcast, was how medications are a huge factor in how people... That's very real. Yeah. I was talking to one uh, young guy who's... Uh, girlfriend or whatever she was on antidepressants and then he was just and she was deciding she needed to get off those antidepressants and so he was describing the process where she had to get off of it Mm -hmm. i mean talk about an addiction it was like a months-long process just to get off of this drug and if you tried to quit cold turkey what it would do to you i mean it's it's uh, to me it was like how in the world did they ever think that this would be a good drug for antidepressants and then to put somebody on it for long periods of time young people yeah exactly and just, expect that it won't crazy. have some sort of and there's people that yeah. are on these kinds of drugs all over the place so we got we got uh and these are like he was describing like it's a obviously because it's antidepressant it's a mind altering mood altering i mean it's a very much a a drug that could mess you up it would probably be illegal if it wasn't so legal <laughs> <laughs> yeah just because of how it messes with people. So I, well, you said earlier, um, why why do people? What makes somebody go into? I'm trying to remember the hinge point of this conversation where we started talking about this, and and uh, it was why does somebody? I think we we're talking about the difference between a transgender person. Why do they do the thing? Like yeah, why do we they, get to talking about the what, stereotypical characteristics? Well, you were saying what determine who tells them that they. Like, why do oh, they even consider right. that they're in the wrong body? Right. Like, what are they basing that out of? How does that, um, and it's how they feel, but it also probably, it's what they're viewing if they're porn addicts, which most people are, um, if they're, you know, on some sort of medication, that's also a huge part of it. And then socially school and stuff, what, what they're being taught probably is a huge thing. And all of that is probably headed up by, you know, obviously Satan. So um, that kind of leaves you with the question of like, how do you deal with it? What do you? Right. Yeah, exactly. What do you do when you come in contact? It was interesting to read these missionary stories I was telling you about. Like the guy, his parents and and him and all of his brothers and sisters, they lived with the tribe right in the middle of all of these uh, rituals that they would do to drum up their spirits and whatever else. And they just lived among them like it was normal. It was it's, So when he writes his book, he talks about the experiences of living in the tribe and doesn't really make a big deal about coming into contact with these people who are filled with demons and spirits and stuff like that because they just lived among them like it was normal. And just to me, it's it'd be almost be like shocking. Like how could you live there and not be scared out of your skin every night, you know, when they start doing their chants or whatever, they right. were, you know, just how, and they did. They was just, so it kind of gave me a little bit of reassurance that, as we see the world grow darker and darker, it's uh, maybe my fears are unfounded. You know, to be scared of what's coming up might not be, it's, it's might be just a different expression of an evil culture that we live in. I don't know. Yeah. Well, here's the thing too, from my background. Um, at, through the whole COVID thing and storybook, 
um, for the camp to, to open during the summer camps. It was heavily regulated and a lot of stuff. And a lot of camps didn't even open. Right. And But one thing I remember constantly was um, this idea that everyone was saying, well, the God is in control and there's a scripture, is it in Proverbs or Psalms, that says that the, the king's heart is, uh, what is it, as waters or something. And oh, as rivers of waters in the, hand, in the hand of the Lord, yeah. turns them whichever way he wants to. Yeah, yep. so there's that point of view, and I was like, but then I would hear the argument, well, yeah, but we don't live in a kingdom. Mm-hmm. It, we live in like a um, democratic republic. So then what was the end view of that argument? Like that, that we should do like we shouldn't just sit back and let, you know, our governing authorities decide what to do because they're not supposed to decide what to do. We're supposed to be to decide what to oh. do. And we should do something. And so that was the thing, like, no, just to quit being like be more proactive and make it like we can do something if we all do it. We don't live where we're dominated by a single ruler, like Romans, the whole and 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 this this um uh, political view of we should be more active and fighting or whatever for what's right. In some Christian circles, Romans is at 14 comes up mm-hmm. from the governing authorities. And again, the comeback I've heard from that is that was a different situation. That was a different political structure that that was written in where there actually was, um, you know, an emperor or whatever. What was it? Rome or I don't know. Right. Yeah. So there's a kingdom structure and that's not what we have in the U S it's a free country. So what we do, so how do you, I've never been able to like, I haven't given a lot of thought to it cause I, politics is exhausting for me and very wary on relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I've always kind of wondered. So, and in view of this, okay, the, the homosexuality, transgender, LGBTQ pronoun stuff in this society, is it the, that the, the king's heart is as rivers of water in the hand of the Lord? Or is it the, well, yeah, but we're in a free country and we should also be active. Or is there a balance in that view? What do you think? And that's a, a really gray area because it's, you know, for the government to insist that we put masks on isn't morally wrong. Right. You know, if the government's telling us to do something that's morally wrong, well then, okay, that becomes a little more clear. But when you're faced with this kind of situation, and I think what made it difficult is that and I don't know how many people were aware of this, but that it was all based on a lie. It was based on lies. Like, yeah, I knew from that first February when the news first started breaking about the outbreaks in China and so forth. I knew from resources that I followed, people who had good, solid contacts in China, what the actual numbers were, who was actually, how many people were getting sick and how many people were actually dying and so forth. And so I knew right from the beginning that it was a, it wasn't as deadly as what people were saying. You know, people could die from it, but uh, it's not something that we haven't faced before. So in the state that we were in, uh, there there was sort of a shut. It wasn't really strict state, you know, so there was sort of a shutdown. There was uh, mask mandates and that kind of thing. And because I knew it was based on a lie, and that there was some other kind of agenda going on where I could, I wouldn't wear the mask. And at the, at the job we worked at, I told the guys like, this is what's going on. This is what the numbers say. I don't think we need to mask up. I don't think we need to do anything different in our business. I think we can operate as normal and we'll be fine. And they all listened to what I said. And that's what we actually did. We had two offices, one in 
one up in one town and one down in the other town. And, and both offices agreed just to go with business as normal. We didn't lock, you know, everybody mm -hmm. came into the office and everything else. We were able to do that. We had that freedom to do that. Uh, people did catch COVID. People did get sick and some didn't, you know, whatever. But where was I going with all this? We were talking about, oh, how, how far to obey the government. So like there would be yeah. restaurants and things like that that would have them the sign for the mask on the door. And I would go in without the mask on. Mm -hmm. And not, not to make a statement. Uh, well, well, it was to make a statement. It wasn't to rebel against what they were doing, but it was to make a statement that, hey, we don't need to be scared. It's okay. Yeah. And so in the store then, if a, if a manager came up, I never had anybody confront me, but if a manager came up, I was thinking I should be super polite to them and very courteous because they had a sign on their door and I'm in their store and I'm not following their sign. So I have no place to be belligerent or yeah. obstinate. I got to be super polite and, and respectful and everything. And people I interacted with, they were, they were cool with that. They would let me stay in the store. Hmm. And uh, there was some stores where they would force you to put it on. So then I guess, well, if they're going to force me to put it on, if I have to be at the store, then I'll put it on. If not, I'll go shop somewhere else. Right. There were yeah. some places in my job where we had to go into, say, like a public school, and there was no option. You had to put it on in order to, be my, in order to do my job. Well, then I would put it on type of thing. Like where they forced me to do it, then I would do it. But as much as I was able, I wanted to go without a mask so that I could show people that it's okay not to be scared. Yeah. Type of thing. So, well, and even I remember too in, uh, in school, because I went into college right in the aftermath of that. So they were going to try to make us all wear masks. And me and my brother went, um, my brother didn't wear a mask at all. And we had like, um, the dean of the school come talk to my class and like, you know, try to get our attention, curse a bunch and like, oh, we need to, we need to, uh, wear a mask. You know, we'd all decided as a, as like a community, you know, we drive on the right side of the road. That's just kind of something we all agree to. Everybody's going to have to wear a mask. That's just where it is. And it doesn't make sense, but that's where it is. And my teachers even were like, I mean, cause we had like safety training and stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we need so my teachers were even like, those masks don't do jack anyway. Right. Like they're not even N95 rated. And right. even an N95 rated mask still wouldn't stop the right. particles. Like, right. So the masks were useless anyway, and everyone was acknowledging that, but we were all just doing it because that's what we had to do. And so, I don't know, that seemed pretty silly. But I don't know, I wore a mask. I, I didn't want to. cases you had to. I didn't want to start a, a whole thing about it. Although looking back, Adrian also didn't wear a mask. And he never got into any oh, really? trouble. So I'm like, yeah, oh, maybe and I, I think it's, too, but. I mean, I th to me, it was kind of like that type of thing. Let's, if, you know, if, if they want me to wear a mask, but they don't force me to wear it, then yeah. I'm going to try not wearing it and see how far I can go with it, I guess. I mean, so, so yeah, what can we do though? Then I'll do for now. Which one are we talking about here? Well, I mean, we're kind of talking about. Dang, this kind of went everywhere. Kind of so, did. Well, so if they start saying, well, the homosexuality thing in you the know, in in a, in a community or in a um, say even in a political structure where that's that's what's right, what do you do? 
Well, maybe that's not what we were talking about. Just yeah, so let's start this way then. You know, in our in our state, the churches were recommended to close and and meet remotely, but it wasn't mandated. Mm-hmm. Most of the churches did close, pretty much all of them. Uh, which I thought didn't make any sense. I mean, if you're going to be uh, holding on to the truth, why close down? So to me, it's like if it's a, if it's a non-moral issue, like the mass and the pronouns and everything else, then I want to do what matches up to the truth. If you're a he, I want to call you a he. You know, if you're you know if you're a dude, I want to call you he. If you're a gal, I want to call you her because that's what the pronoun means, type mm-hmm. of thing like that. But if I get in a situation where, uh, where you're forced to do it, it's a non-moral issue. So, where do you, you know, where do you, you want to make a fight about it, or do you not want to, you know, where do you, how do you handle that kind of thing? It'd be more of almost yeah. a case by case basis. Like I had, there were some places where I, in order to do my job, I had to put a mask on, so I'd put it on under protest. If I was allowed not to wear a mask, I wouldn't wear it, but uh, try to be really courteous about it. So I would think I'd want to try to do the same thing with pronouns. You know, if you're not forced to use the correct pronouns, like, like, you know, in your situation where these people are just going to blow up at you if you don't use the right pronouns, well... Try to be courteous and try to. I don't know how you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. I I would yeah. want to be able to use the the true pronouns, and do it courteously. Yeah. And I mean, so far, I think I've been able to do that. And I think even in that situation, I we talked about earlier in the episode where I was able to say, hey, "This is what I believe, and this is I'm going to say this," but I'm not down on you. I'm not angry at right. you. I don't. This is this is true, and and I'm actually I actually care about you, and that's why I'm going to I don't know be firm in this area or whatever. And that went over well. I don't know. So maybe yeah. This definitely was a more exploratory. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, People are going to be like, okay, so you asked a lot of great questions, but where where are the answers? Yeah, (laughs) that's a good question. Yeah, true that. Well, hopefully this was helpful in some way, shape, or form to you all. Thank you for listening. And uh, I think, yeah, we're going to do That's going to do it for us today. And we'll catch you guys next time in the next episode. Peace out. Peace out.